0: All right, now if you would, let's open our Bibles again at Philippians chapter 3. I titled the message this morning, Be Thus Minded. Our text is just two verses, beginning in verse 15 of Philippians chapter 3. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we've already attained... Let us walk by the same rule and let us mind the same thing. Paul is exhorting every believer to be like-minded and to walk by the same rule. And what he means is that every believer does have the same mind. Every believer has the, the same thoughts on how God saves his people. And every believer walks, every believer conducts themselves by the same rule. It's the rule of grace. Our rule of life is not law. It's God's grace. Every believer, God has given them the same mind and the same rule of conduct because God's the one who teaches all of his people. And he teaches all of his people the same thing. And that's what Paul means. He says, if you're otherwise minded on something, God shall reveal even this unto you because he teaches all of his people the same thing. And the lesson is always Christ. Always. Salvation, this is what the Father teaches all of his people. Salvation is accomplished by Christ alone. Salvation, the salvation of a soul is all by the doing and dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way my sin can be paid for is by the blood of God's Son. That's how vile I am. The only way my sin can be put away is by the blood of God's Son. It can't be by me cleaning up my act. It's got to be by the blood of Christ. And if I know Christ, I trust. His blood's enough. That's all I need. The Father teaches all of his people about righteousness. Righteousness is accomplished by the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. He obeyed the law perfectly. He is our righteousness. And this matter of righteousness, our works never enter into it. It doesn't add to it one bit. The only thing that we do is we receive that righteousness. We receive it by faith in Christ, by trusting Christ is enough and quitting doing any works trying to make God happy with me and trusting Christ. That's how we receive the righteousness of Christ. The father teaches all of his people about holiness, that holiness is in the nature of Christ. It's the nature of Christ in us. Never by our own goodness. Never, ever, ever do we make ourselves holy by our goodness. It's all in Christ. Christ. The Father teaches all of his people. they're not one left out. He teaches all of his people. We need Christ to be our all. He's our prophet. He's our priest. And he's our king. Christ is our prophet. What does a prophet do? He reveals God to us. He comes to us and tells us this is what God said. This is he reveals God to us. Christ is our priest. What does a priest do? He represents the people to God. He offers a sacrifice for sin to God. Christ is our priest. By one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. That's our priest. And Christ is our king. Now what's a king do? Well, a real king, not just a figurehead, a real king reigns over us. I tell you, a lot of our theology would get fixed up if God teach us this lesson. The Lord Jesus Christ is not our buddy. He's our king. He's our king. He's not our equal. We bow to him as king. We do not decide what to do with him. He decides what to do with us. As he will. His will completely unaffected by anything that we do or don't do. He's our king and we bow to him. The father teaches all of his people. The father teaches all of his people something about ourselves. He teaches us that we're born dead in sin. We're born alive physically, aren't we? But spiritually, we're born dead in sin. And since we're dead, there can never be any hope for anything spiritual found in something in us. What we do or something about our nature. The only way that we can see Christ, the only way we can believe on Christ, the only way we can have spiritual life is if the Holy Spirit gives it to us in the new birth. He's got to cause a new nature to be born in us that sees Christ and believes Christ. That's all the work of God. Now, every single believer, I don't care where you find them, they all believe those truths. Every believer. Now, they all have the same mind on that. There's not one of them think that they can be saved or they can have eternal life any other way. Every believer thinks those same things because the Father teaches us. Now, some understand those things more clearly than others. I mean, there's old men in Christ, there's babes in Christ. Some, some understand those things more clearly than others. And all of us, sometimes we believe those things more strongly sometimes than we do at other times. See, our faith is not perfect. Paul said earlier, I haven't arrived. My faith is not perfect. Our faith wavers. So sometimes I believe these things more strongly than other times. Sometimes I act on these things more strongly than at other times because sometimes my faith is stronger than it is at other times. Sometimes it's very weak. Now, our faith never moves off Christ. Never. But you have to admit, sometimes it's stronger than it is at other times, isn't it? And that's what Paul means in verse 15 by the word perfect. The word perfect there means mature or grown up. Now, some are going to be more mature. They're going to be stronger than others. But we all believe the same thing. Some are stronger than others. Some have stronger faith than others. But we still all follow the same rule. Our rule is salvation is by grace in Christ Jesus. Now Some believers are stronger than others. But those who, you know, we, you know, here's the thing about a believer, they never really view themselves as the strong one. We always view somebody else, you know, as the strong one. No believer is satisfied with our growth. What if you are one of the older ones? You've been in the faith a long time. You've been well taught. What if you are one of the stronger ones? Well, no believer, just like every believer is of the same mind about how God saves sinners. We're all of the same mind this way too. We're never satisfied with our growth in these areas. We're never satisfied with the strength of our faith in these areas. And Paul's able to comfort our hearts in this by telling us, now if you're otherwise minded, Sometimes if you're not as strong as you are in other times, or, or you're not as strong as, as somebody else, or these things are not as clear to you as they are somebody else, he says, God will reveal even this unto you. God's going to teach you. The Father will teach you this. And he's going to do it through the preaching of the gospel. He's not going to speak to you audibly. He's going to do it by sending you a preacher and telling you these things, preaching Christ to you. All we have to do, is just avail ourselves to the means of grace. Just avail ourselves to the preaching of the gospel. You'll see growth eventually. It's not going to come as fast as you want. It won't be as much as you want. I can promise you that. But that's how growth comes, by availing ourselves to the means of, of growth, the means of grace. And like Brother Henry told us so many times, walk in the light God's given you. Walk in the light God's given you. Now, you're not satisfied with your growth in these areas, but you do know this. God speaks to his people through the preaching of the word. You don't understand everything that's going on, but, but now you, you have that much light, don't you? Well walk in the light God given you. And he'll give just wait on him to give you more. Do what God has enabled you to do and and, and wait on him to give you more light. Now when Paul says, Let us um as means be perfect, be thus minded, and if you um, anything you'd be otherwise minded. What he's talking about is not just the immediate verses before this, but it's the whole epistle. It's the whole epistle. And in this very short epistle, Paul gives us a summary of things that every believer believes. Every believer agrees on these things. Now the theme, just if you look at the whole book as the theme of the book, of the epistle to the church at Philippi, the theme is this, rejoice in the Lord. Now, we rejoice in the Lord because he's the one that's done all the work saving his people. Salvation is by God's grace. And here's a good definition of salvation by grace. God saved us even though we don't deserve it. Well, I can rejoice in that. God has blessed me with every spiritual blessing there is to be had in Christ Jesus even though I don't deserve one of them. That's grace. Oh, I love that grace. I want that grace. Salvation is by grace. The Father chose us. He chose a people even though we don't deserve it. That's electing grace. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for those people even though we don't deserve it. That's redeeming grace. Surely there's not anybody here that would say, yep, I deserve for Christ to die for me. Nobody <laughs> would say that. Surely. Surely. But he did, he died for his people. That's redeeming grace. He died for us even though we don't deserve it. The Holy Spirit comes and gives us life even though we don't deserve it. We're trying to run as far away from God as we can and the Holy Spirit arrests us. He apprehends us and gives us life and faith in Christ even though we don't deserve it. That's regenerating grace. Oh, and after the Lord saves us, after he reveals Christ to us, after he causes us to be born again, we're so full of failure and stumbles and shame, aren't we? Just ashamed of ourselves. We're not satisfied with our growth in, our, in these areas, our knowledge of these things. And the Lord keeps us and he preserves us anyway. That's keeping grace. Now that is saving grace. It's all found in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the fountain of all grace. And we rejoice, don't we? We rejoice in him. Now let's look back, I want to look back and look at four or five things here that Paul has given us in this epistle. And these are things that every believer has a mind for this. Every believer has this rule of life. Number one is this, salvation is of the Lord from its beginning to its ending. Salvation is of the Lord, he's done it all. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. He'll perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, salvation is not just an outward work in the flesh. It's not an outward work in the flesh at all. Salvation is the work of God in the heart. It's a spiritual thing. Now, salvation requires two things. It requires a work for us. And it requires a work in us. The Father did a work for us in divine election when he chose some sinners that he would save. If the Father didn't choose anybody to save, nobody would be. He he did a work. That was a work for us. We weren't around. Man wasn't created. And God chose a people to save. That's a work he did for us. God the Son did a work for his people. When he suffered and died in their place. To redeem them from their sins. That's the work the son does for us. We weren't there. We didn't contribute to it. He did it for us. Now the work that God does in us. Is the work of regeneration. It's the work that God the Holy Spirit does. In the in the hearts of God's elect. When he causes that sinner to be born again. To be born again with a new nature. It's not from like the nature of Adam. That we received when we were born physically. This nature is holy and it's righteous because it comes from holy seed, from the word of God. And that is the nature that God loves and accepts. We don't have it by nature. We can't make it in ourselves by nature. So God causes it to be born in us so he can accept us. Now, I know you're not satisfied with that. You, You who believe God, you've been born again. You're not satisfied with it. It's not perfect. You're still living in in a body of the flesh, a sinful dead flesh. So how can you be satisfied with it? I understand you're not satisfied with it. But you can be absolutely confident of this. You can rest your eternal soul. You can hang your eternity on this truth. If the Father began a good work for you in divine election and the Son began a good work for you When he died for you in his redeeming grace. The Holy Spirit will finish it. He will give you life. He will give you faith in Christ. And he won't let you quit. He will bring you all the way to court. You say, oh, I don't know. It seems like a long way from here to there. I don't think I can get there. I don't think I can get there. You don't have to. The Spirit's going to bring you. The shepherd's going to carry you all the way to the fold. If He began a good work in you. I'm telling you, he's going to finish it and you're going to awake in glory in the likeness of Christ. And then you'll say, I'm satisfied. And you know why you'll say you're satisfied? You can't have anything more. <laughs> See, all the responsibility for the salvation of God's elect It's all on God. And not one straw of it is on us. Now that's what makes salvation sure. That's how you know God's going to finish this thing because he can't fail to do what he purposed to do. He can't fail to finish what he's begun. Now every believer knows that. Every believer believes. Every single one of them believes that. And shamefully, from time to time, We doubt and fear, don't we? And when that happens, you know what God's going to do? He shall reveal even this to you again. He's going to remind you again through the preaching of Christ, it's all His responsibility. It's all His doing. It's all His sacrifice. It's all His obedience. And He's going to strengthen you again. He's going to strengthen you by reminding you. All right, here's the second thing. Every believer believes this. The Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior. First and foremost, he is our Savior. But he is our example too. And the illustration that just crossed my mind is is my dad. There was never a time in my life that I thought um, my dad was my equal. Never. I'm never He was my dad. He was the authority figure. He was, I mean, he's the dad. He's in charge. He's large and he's in charge. But there came a time. I didn't do what I did. I didn't mind him. I didn't, because I was afraid he's going to whoop me. It's because I wanted to be just like him. I mean, more than anything in this world, I wanted to be just like my dad. Now, he's my dad. He's... See what I'm saying? He's the authority figure, but he was also my example. Christ is our Savior. He's our King. He rules over us, first and foremost. But don't you want to be just Huh? Look here, at chapter 2, Philippians, verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also in the things of others. Don't just think how this affects you. Think how it affects others. Let this mind be in you. See, here's the mind of every believer. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself that became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now that's the most amazing story that's ever been told. What God has done for sinners through the sacrifice, through the obedience of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. This is amazing. How amazing is it that the Lord of glory would humble himself, would go down so far to do such a great thing for sinners like you and me. That's more amazing than the human tongue can tell. But here's something else that's just as amazing. The attitude that he had in doing it. The Lord of glory. The creator. God himself came to earth with an attitude of humility. In order to save his people. God became a man. When the Lord Jesus walked this earth, it was not robbery for him to say, I'm God. He wasn't robbing God of his glory for him to say, I'm equal with the Father. It wasn't robbing God of his glory for for him to say, I and the Father are one. Because he is. He is one with the Father. It would be robbery if I said that, but not if he said it, because it's true. What humility the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. They can't contain him. They can't contain his glory. Yet this high and lofty one humbled himself to confine himself to become flesh and reside in a human body. You know why he did it? He came to be the representative of a sinful people and that's, that's, that's where you find them. So he became one of them. The shepherd became one of the sheep to save the sheep. He became a man. The son of God humiliated himself. The one who has all power. The one who appeared to Abraham and said, My name is God Almighty. Or the Almighty God, however he said it. Appeared in the weakness of human flesh. Now he still had all power. But never one time did he use that power to benefit himself. Not one time ever. He humbled himself to take on a body that could die. Life himself humbled himself to die as a sacrifice for the sin of his people. The law demands death for sin. My death, your death, wouldn't affect that debt one whit. But his death would because he's perfect. So he humbled himself to die to satisfy God's justice for his people. The Lord Jesus Christ is Lord and he's master of all. Yet he humbled himself to become a servant. Remember when he washed the disciples' feet, he said, you call me Lord and Master and you say, well, for so I am. Yet he became a servant. He's equal with the Father, but he gave up his rights as being equal with the Father. He gave up his rights as God and became a servant to his Father. He came here to serve his father, to do everything that the father, all the work that the father gave him to do, he came and he did it. He obeyed God's law perfectly so he could establish righteousness on the earth. Now that's, that's humble. He, he would have to humble himself to become a servant to his father. But i tell you what's even more humiliating, what shows even greater humility is the Lord a master of all humiliated himself to become a servant to his creatures. He came not to be ministered to, like the big boss. He didn't come as a king. He came as a homeless man. He came as a poor carpenter. He came to minister to his people by giving his life a ransom for many. And here's his attitude again. Aaron, it was his delight to do it. i just... It was his delight to do that because of his love for his people. He loved his people so much, he was willing to humiliate himself in all those ways because his desire was to see his bride redeemed. Well, he did it all. He did everything the Father sent him to do. So the Father glorified him. He glorified, he's seated on the right hand of the Father. He's seated on the throne of heaven. Now, why point that out? Well, it's true. He's our king. That's where he ought to sit on the throne, isn't it? But what a blessing that you and I can trust a risen, glorified Savior who's seated in heaven because the work's finished. He's not on on the tiptoe of heaven looking and wondering if everything's going to happen just the way he wants it to happen. He's seated. He's seated. No worry. He knows his enemies are going to be laid his footstool. He knows his people are going to be redeemed and be brought to him to be with him where he is that they may behold his glory. He knows it's going to happen because he's the king. And he's sitting on the throne accomplishing his will. Now, Paul says let that attitude of Christ the Savior be in your heart and in your mind. Let it direct how you act towards your brethren. You know, no job is too low for me to do if it'll help you. No job's too low. It ought to be easy for me to humble myself and give up some of my rights if it'll help you and if it'll make things easier for you. It ought to be easy for me. It ought to be, shouldn't it? When I consider how the Lord humbled himself to save me, well, it's nothing if I humbled myself to help you. I mean, you know, he humbled himself. You know, I say no job's too low for me. Buddy, I'm already at the bottom of the barrel. (laughs) no job can be too low for me because nothing's lower than me. The Savior humbled himself, didn't he? To save the likes of me. Well, that ought to make it easy for me to quote-unquote humble myself if it would help you. Now, every believer has that mind. Every believer thinks that way. Every believer does. Every believer, you know what I'm talking about when I say you want to be just like the Savior. No, well, you can't, but you want to be, don't you? But our actions far from perfect. <laughs> I want to, but I can't do it perfectly. Well, when we find ourselves ashamed of how little we do to help our brethren, and we find ourselves ashamed. Of how full of pride that we still are. Here's our comfort. God shall reveal even this to you. Re- you already know it. But he's, he'll reveal even this to you again. Through the preaching of the gospel. God's, you're not going to wear God out. He's just going to withdraw himself and quit. He's going to keep revealing this to you. Through the preaching of the gospel. So walk in the light God's given you. He'll give you more. Just wait on him. Alright here's the third thing. Every believer thinks this way. Believes this. Absolutely everything I've ever done. Trying to please God through the law. It's nothing but manure. Chapter 3 verse 4. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinketh that he hath. Whereof he might trust in the flesh. I more. Circumcised the eighth day. Of the stock of Israel. Of the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dung. That I may win Christ. Now, here's what what Paul is saying is using himself as an example. If you think that you've kept the law, you think you've done something, kept the law well enough that you got something to trust in. You think you've done something, uh, you know, obeyed the law well enough, and you've done something. God will be more happy with you than He is with somebody else. Paul says, "Whatever you think you got, I got more. I got more." Saul of Tarsus had way more outward righteousness than we have. I mean, just wait, we can't even compare it to him. And Saul of Tarsus was dead in sin. Paul said, I thought I was keeping the law, and then I saw the law, and I died. Paul had way more outward righteousness, way more outward morality than you me, have, but he was dead in sin. So if we think we can trust in our works, we're just as dead. We're just as lost. You know, and and say you want to compare yourself to to Saul. Or say you're Saul and you want to compare yourself to somebody else. Well, you know, it doesn't do us any good to compare ourselves to each other. Because we're not the standard. You know, if we compare ourselves to each other, compare ourselves to other men, here's what we do. I wouldn't compare myself to somebody in this room. I think somebody out there in the world, you know, who's got way more open sin in their life than I think I do, you know, and compare myself to them. Now, that might make my dead flesh feel better, but it doesn't make me righteous. When we compare ourselves to other men, all all that is is one maggot comparing himself to another maggot. Now, you might think you're a better-looking maggot than this maggot, but you know what? You're still a maggot. You're still a maggot. If we would be righteous, we have to be perfectly righteous. We must be compared to the Lord Jesus Christ and be found equal with him. Perfectly righteous. You don't have to be as good as Saul Tarsus. You have to be as good as God himself. Well, we don't know that by nature, do we? We keep wanting to compare ourselves with each other. We keep wanting to try harder, you know, keeping the law. We can't know that righteousness is being as good as God himself. So we think our works are pretty good. Until we see Christ. Until the Father is pleased to show us Christ by faith. If we ever see Christ by faith, then and only then will we see our works is for what they are. Because now we're going to see our works in the light of who God is. See, that's what Job said. Job said, I've heard about you. I've heard of you at the hearing of the ear. But now mine eye see thee. And what did Job do when he saw God? He said, wherefore I abhor myself. I hate myself. I hate my works. And the Apostle Paul had that very same experience. Paul said, after I met Christ... Then I knew, oh, all my religious works, they're nothing but dung. They're manure. I don't count those things as advantages anymore. I used to think it made me better I did all these things. Now I see, really, they're a disadvantage. So I gladly gave up all my works of the law. I gave up all my heritage. I gave up everything about me so I could have Christ alone. Now, if you and I are going to be saved, we're going to do the very same thing. We've got to give up everything. We've got to give up everything we think about ourselves that makes us look good. We've got to give it all up and trust Christ alone. And if God's given you eyes to see, you'll say, that's a good trade. Trade my dung for the perfection of Christ? <laughs> I'll make that trade every day. You know, I think it's it's interesting. You, I read a lot of these old writers, you know, how, and they're, they're so refined, you know, in these ages past. And they say, Paul's saying, his, his works of the law are rubbish, is what they say. Well, you know, that's not true. And when you say that, I understand they're trying to be polite and they're not trying to, you know, offend feminine ears or whatever. But when you say it that way, well, it's 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 rubbish. You know, I think rubbish is like, Paper trash, you know, we throw under the trash can the sink, you know. But that takes the edge off the gospel because it doesn't paint us and our works. I'm not saying even our sin. I'm talking about saying our works, the best things we've ever done. Saying that's rubbish doesn't give a good picture. And that's not what Paul called it. He called it dumb. And the Greek word means the excrement of animals. It means exactly what you think it means. And it means the dregs that are at the bottom of the dung heap. You know, the dung heap, they'd throw all their the grossest stuff, the animal manure and banana peels and all these uh, whatever, you know, degradable things. They'd throw, and then they'd just stack up on top of each other. Well, you know, the first dung and the first bits of food or whatever they put down there, you know how it just kind of turns to liquid. And it's been sitting there in the hot sun. It just it starts oozing out from the rest of the, you know. You and I aren't at the top of the dung heap. We're the stuff at the bottom. The grossest stuff that's running out. That's the best we can ever produce. Now that's gross. And if we had something like that dung heap around our house we'd get rid of it as fast as we possibly could. Well, that's how we ought to treat all of our religious works that we've done trying to make God happy with us. Get rid of them as fast as you possibly can because they're shameful. They stink and they're shameful. And lay hold on Christ alone. See, all these religious works of the flesh we've done, they don't help our soul one bit matter of fact they hurt it they hurt it you know how they hurt our souls because they keep us from trusting christ alone we keep wanting to look at those things and hang on to those things and they harm our souls because they keep us from trusting christ alone now every believer knows that every believer believes that and rejoices in it christ is my righteousness it's not anything that i do but we're in this flesh. Oh my, how often does self-righteousness crop up? All the time. It's like whack-a-mole. You know, just you just never get it put down. Never get it. And we're so ashamed. If you trust Christ, you see that self-righteousness crop up and you. You're so ashamed. You hate it. It's the thing you might, of all the, of our sins, it's probably the one that we hate the most or it's probably the one we should hate the most. And we're so ashamed. We just want to hang our head. We want to hide in shame. And our comfort is this. God shall reveal even this unto you. He'll show you again. And you know how I'll show you again? How is it that you're going to turn from your self-righteousness again and turn to Christ again? By somebody coming and preaching Christ to you. And you'll say, oh, that's it. That's it. It's a constant reminder. I am less than nothing And Christ is all. Frank looked to Christ. That's it, isn't it? All right, here's the fourth thing. Salvation is had through union with Christ. Chapter 3, verse 9. Paul says, My desire is to win Christ and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings be made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now, no one can understand the gospel. No one can understand how it is God saves sinners until we understand this truth of representation. The Father does not look at all men individually and say, okay, well, how are you doing, and how are you doing? Well, you're doing pretty good. You're doing real bad. Oh, you're doing real good. Oh. He didn't look at all men individually and judge all men individually. The Father looks at all men in one of two representatives. Two representative men. Adam, the first man created, or the Lord Jesus Christ, the second Adam. And we've all done what our representative has done. If we're an Adam, we're condemned. Because we've done what Adam did. What did Adam do? He sinned against God. He rebelled against God and took that fruit in willful rebellion against God knowing full well what he was doing and ate it in rebellion against God saying, I want to be God. And if we're in Christ, we're everything that Christ is. We've done everything that Christ has done. So if we're in Christ, we're perfect. That's why Paul says, my desire is to be found in In Christ. When God sees me, I want him to see me in Christ. So then God sees me, Eric, all he sees is Christ. That's my heart's desire. That's what I want. Because if I'm in Christ, I'm righteous. Because I obeyed the law when Christ obeyed the law. Every time he obeyed the law, every time he did, thou shalt, I did too. And every time he did not do, thou shalt not, I didn't do it either. Because I was in him, doing what he did. If I'm in Christ, I'm dead to the law. The law doesn't even want to condemn me anymore because I satisfied God's justice when I died in Christ. Now, Christ died for me, for my sin, to pay the penalty of my sin. And more than that, I actually died in Christ. When he died, I was in him. I died. The law says... I. I'm not looking for it. You already died. You don't have to die again. Justice is satisfied. Because I died in Christ. And if I'm in Christ, I have life. Because when Christ rose from the dead, I did too. Because I was in him. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is used to give me spiritual life in the new birth. I have life because I rose in Christ. Now that's salvation. That's salvation. As simply as you can put it, that's how God saves sinners. And you'll notice, not one bit of that was accomplished by the creature, was it? It was all accomplished by Christ. And it's ours, because we're in him when he accomplished it. See, Christ did it all, and it is finished. Now it's finished. That takes all the pressure off, doesn't it? If the work's already done, you know that's a mighty good time to show up, isn't it? When the work's all finished. That's the believer. We showed up when the work was all finished. All the pressure's off. All the worry and fear about judgment is off. We can just rest in Christ. Now every believer knows that. Every believer knows that. Every believer believes that wholeheartedly. But from time to time, we start looking at ourselves. And we worry. And you know why we start worrying? Because we're thinking God's doing the same thing I'm doing. Looking at me. And the Holy Spirit. Comforts our hearts. By revealing this unto us again. It's all in Christ. The Father's looking at you in Christ. Not you. And all the pressure's off. Now every believer's minded this way. Every believer thinks this. And is minded this way. Every believer is following Christ. As our way of life. But. We haven't arrived yet, have we? No, we're not perfect yet. But we're going to keep pressing towards it. We're going to keep pressing to Christ. That's what Paul says in verse 12. Not as though I'd already attained, either already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Every believer knows this. I'm a work in progress. Now, my soul is perfect. That new man is perfect. But I'm in this flesh and I'm a work in progress. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. You can't look at me now and get any idea what I shall be. And I'm not satisfied with that. I mean, I'm just not satisfied with it. Well, then what are we going to do? I'm going to keep pressing toward Christ. How about you? I'm going to keep pressing on. I'm going to keep pressing toward the finish line. I'm going to keep pressing toward that time. I am made just like him. And there's going to be times you think the finish line is too far off. I can't make it. You're going to come across a night. The night's too dark. And the night's too long. I can't make it. How are you going to keep pressing on when you can't make it? Well, the Father shall reveal even this unto you. He's going to show Christ to you through the preaching of the gospel and seeing Him is going to grip your heart so much. You have to have Him. You're going to keep pressing on until the moment we draw our last breath. We're not going to be satisfied that when we do take that last breath. You keep pressing towards it now because the moment you take that last breath you're going to open your eyes in glory and you'll be like David and you'll say, now I'm satisfied. <laughs> now I'm satisfied. I sure am glad the Lord brought me here. <laughs> That's what we'll say, won't we? Until then, he'll keep revealing this to you through the preaching of Christ. He'll keep setting Christ forth before our eyes and we'll keep pressing Him. By God's grace. Let's bow together. Our Father, how we thank you for your gospel. And oh, how we thank you that you keep revealing the Lord Jesus Christ to the hearts of your people. How we thank you that you don't just tell us once and leave us alone, but that you keep reminding us. You keep reminding us who and what we are and keep reminding us who you are so that we keep trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we're so thankful. We're so thankful How can we even express the thanksgiving that's in our heart that you would condescend to reveal Christ to the hearts of so many here. You've blessed us so abundantly. and Father, we beg of you that you not leave us alone, but that you keep revealing Christ to the hearts of your people. Let each one of us leave here this morning being of this mind, trusting in this Savior, trusting in Christ and Christ alone. For it's in his sake, for his glory, we pray and ask this great blessing. Amen. All right, Sean.